This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Lit Lit Show. I'm your host, Paul Hazard. Tonight, I'm speaking with Trey Holland, PSI School Director in Kiev. Let's get to it. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Trey, the last time you and I spoke, it was just around about curfew time in Kiev. Tell us a little bit about curfew then. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing that the society learns that the witching hour <laughs> is around 11 o'clock. And yeah. that last hour, if you're out, if you've gone to a restaurant or you're with friends, um, you know to, to start making your way home. And all the little like details of life in a modern city where there's Ubers or taxis or trains, um, they, they, they all have evolved to uh, respond to that reality. For example, if you're going to get an Uber, you better get one by nine o'clock because the Uber has to not only get you home, they have to get home as well. Yeah. So things like that, but it, it's there in the background. There's curfew. Of course, we've talked. We can talk about the the situation with the air alerts and how that's starting to, you know, become more clear to me. The different uh, factors and impacts that that has just on day to day life and definitely with the students yes. as well. Um, the curfew. Um, it was initiated at the very start of the conflict, and it was to make sure, I believe, when their security concerns included the possibility that there might be, shall we say, malignant agents um, and in, in the city, um, so they could clear the streets. And if you were out after a certain point, um, they would <laughs> they would treat you as, as, as someone who was up to no good. And yeah. the curfew has continued to stay in place. Um, what is Interesting, in association with the curfew, um, when I first arrived, there it, there was more of a blackout type of approach mm-hmm. at that time. And before the winter, they started to keep lights on more of the time. But now, which we can talk about, the strikes are definitely increasing in frequency. And um, and, and as we go into the winter, um, the, the blackouts are going to probably recommence at night as well. Trey, we'll talk about the strikes in a minute. But... As I sit here in, in Northern Ireland listening to you, I might take a, a holiday in, in Paris or Rome. There's a part of me thinks you're describing Kiev as if it's Paris or Rome or Belfast. You talk about going out to a restaurant. How, how is this possible in a war zone? It's incredible. It, it is shot. It's, it's counterintuitive, right? The idea yeah. that a, a country at war, a city, a capital a city of, of a country at war, would be able to maintain some semblance of normalcy. And mm-hmm. um, when I first, at times, not all the time, but I think it's a, a, a determined statement by the society as a whole to maintain as much of, of normal life as they can as, as a form of uh, resistance. I've talked yeah. to a number of Ukrainians mm-hmm. about that and they feel like one of the greatest things they can do uh, to show their resilience and make a statement against uh, uh, their attackers is to carry on to the best of their ability. So they see it as a, as a, as a personal and a collective statement. There are functioning restaurants, uh, there are bars, uh, there are parks. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember when I first arrived, I, I couldn't believe it. The first time there was an air siren, I saw people not really responding. It was during the day. And uh, people were walking their dogs. <laughs> I'm like, where am I? <laughs> Right. Um, but I, it, like I said, it's, it depends um, on the type of strike. Uh, there was a record number of drones and missiles that came in two Saturdays ago. Yeah. And a lot of us, a lot of people, a lot of Ukrainians came in the next day to school and some were shaken by the experience. Uh, it was an all night deal. Um, the attack mm-hmm. started at two and they continued until eight in the morning. And then we came into, uh, we didn't go into school that next day, but we did on Monday, and we were able to get together and talk about it. But I think it, it depends on the severity of the strikes yeah. themselves. Are those strikes scary? Because in our tech run, you told me you had recorded some of them, and, and the sound, uh, yeah, the sound I, was what struck you. Yeah, 
Yes, it's um I, for a little context. Um, you and I spoke about my last job. I worked uh, uh, in a garbage dump school. Uh, it was called Safe Passage in Guatemala City, and I was there for a number of years as director. And yeah. I want to I want to counterface. I think it'd be good for your listeners to kind of think about you know what what security what um, what risk might be like in various env- environments, right? So in that garbage dump zone, it was a it was a gang area. And there was a great number of shootings. There was a lot of violence and personal violence in the home. Um, and it was. And what I would want to say about it is very intimate, incredibly intimate, in the sense you're in a small community and these things are happening daily, and it affects, it affects families you know, um, and you're talking to them as they come to the school. Um, going to Ukraine, it's 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 vastly different. It's it's much more anonymous the the violence and the sound and it's got a surreal nature to it uh mm-hmm. when you look up in the sky and you see uh the, this fireworks like uh effect and you see the tracer bullets and and you catch yourself saying things like wow uh, tracer bullets look different in the movies <laughs> you know which i know is a ridiculous thing to, to point out but these are the type of questions that start to kind of run through your head but being aware of it and being cognizant of it is a different experience for me. And I I don't want you to forgive me because I don't have the proper words to articulate it quite yet. I'm processing that too, along with many of us. Um, But it's just a different, more uh, holistic risk. And, and Mm -hmm. actually the second thing I'd say is that it, it, it's constant, even if there's not a strike, even if there's no sirens, it's always around the corner in your mind. And it kind of, it definitely affects your, your, your day-to-day like uh, behavior and the way that you approach life and all those things. Too. You're uh, you're very buoyant. You you clearly have a very strong personality. Um, you're you're very resilient. You clearly take your leadership role very seriously, and you carry a lot of responsibility for for others and your school, your teachers, and your pupils. And, and we'll look at the detail of that in a minute. But how frightening is it being there, Trey? I worry about my students and I worry about my teachers. I feel, I feel very safe, interestingly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really don't want to reduce it to something as, as basic as, as probabilities, right? Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the chances of, of being struck, I, I, I talk to members of the embassies and their security teams, and they, they talk about this a good bit. And they'll say, they'll say things like, well, um, we had this many car wrecks in Kiev last year, and this many people, uh, you know, fatalities um, were suffered from from airstrikes, and and the car wrecks are, are are larger actually. But I feel that there's something missing from that that statement, and I'm I'm trying to get my head around it myself. Yeah, the math makes sense to say I'm in more danger driving a car than being in my apartment. But mm-hmm. there's a psychological piece, there's an emotional piece that's left out of that dry that dry equation. I think there's, there's something else going on. So your question's a, it's, it's a very profound one. And I, I want to be very clear. I, I look in the mirror every day and I have no illusions. There's no faux bravery. I don't see myself in that way. Um, I, I, I'm going to be, be very transparent and open with you in my past. I, I feel I tend to operate well in the moment, but I need like anyone would uh, time to, to kind of shake off the aggregate. The the thing in Kiev, though, it is kind of constant, uh, mm-hmm. especially now. Uh, I want to add one more part to this. When we, when I arrived in the spring, we were kind of lulled, I think, into a bit of a, a, a false sense of of complacency, in that mm-hmm. the, the strikes were were not as numerous. The weather was beautiful. Um, we were starting the school. The exuberance that comes with opening the doors. We still have a lot of that in many ways, mm-hmm. but it's the days are shorter, it's colder, and people are starting to think about last winter when the strikes mm-hmm. were so severe that they knocked out the power. And so it's changing. And so mm-hmm. as a leader, my response to that is changing as well. Um, um, but I do feel like I, you know, taking time, I think all of us do, and I, I pretty much require it of my staff. Um, to take care of themselves. And part of that is being able to, to leave and get away from not only the job for a little bit, but also uh, the stresses that come um, with that arena, for sure. 
there was a point when the school was set up in Budapest, but you have since returned to Kiev, isn't that right? Actually, it was Warsaw. I'm sorry, yeah, it was Warsaw. The, oh, Warsaw, uh, Warsaw, yeah. Mm-hmm. My predecessor, Rachel Caldwell, an amazing director in her own right, had been with with PSI for, for five years at that point. And she stewarded um, the relocation of the school from Kiev at the beginning of the full-scale invasion. She stewarded that process of moving the school uh, to to Warsaw. And at that time, the school broke into pieces, frankly. Um, the school mm-hmm. became essentially the equivalent of a displaced person. Uh, a large number of the students uh, left the school and went to other countries. Uh, some of them stayed online learning. Again, all the, the, t- the tactics and tools we acquired during COVID were put to, sure. uh, put to good use again. Um, and yeah. so we had a component of the community that went to Warsaw and uh, another car- part of the community stayed in Kiev, uh, the Ukrainian families, because men are not allowed to leave the country. And so each of the families, the Ukrainian families, had very hard choices to make um, regarding yeah. whether they could go or not. And some of the families even split up. Uh, where, where the father stayed um, mm-hmm. and the wife and children left. Uh, so we had all kinds of experiences uh, during mm-hmm. that time. But I came on, I took the job a year ago, October, and I, I took the position formally on July uh, this last mm-hmm. year. But I've been working very closely with Rachel in the preceding months. I've been in board meetings. I've been getting to know staff members. And so the transition was, was I, I believe, quite seamless. And she was such a great partner. Um, and I think the two of us together in this almost symbiotic way um, mm-hmm. carry two parts of the story, you know, the leaving and the return. Yes, yeah, so I've been in contact with Rachel and uh, hopefully Excellent. I think she's going to be a guest on the show at some stage in the future. We really look forward to that. Yeah, you'll love that. She's amazing. So- Rachel, Rachel, I hope you heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll turn the volume up on that a little bit. (laughs) Very good. Yeah. yeah. The wonders of modern tech. (laughs) Exactly. So Trey, you've kind of, you've given us a story of a school that has been agile, has been responsive. War is declared. Rachel moves the school out to, to Warsaw. You came along, you've moved the school back. You know, so it's a very flexible, very agile. You, you know, it's not just as simple as that, of course. And you've also kind of told us about, you know, the, the semblance of normality and how that's very much a statement of the people uh, of resistance and defiance. But you also talk about, you know, the, the air raids, the tracer bullets going over. I think you recorded the sound or you videoed them. And, and, and I know that that's terrifying. So your students must find this frightening and i mean it is a kind of a rite of passage that you can go to school without being stressed without i mean if i remember i think even shakespeare didn't shakespeare write about it you know the the whining schoolboy with his satchel the shining morning face creeping like Mm. a snail unwillingly to school or something my my english teacher would wrap my knuckles for not remembering (laughs) how you know, you've told me how you manage, uh, you've told me how some of the, the, the local people manage. How do your pupils, they're, they're mm-hmm. children, they're becoming right. adults. How right. do they get to school? How do they manage? How do they ever focus and concentrate? These are all key questions, aren't they? I mean, the mm. school opens. Okay, so that as a premise, as a concept, we can we can celebrate that. But the success mm-hmm. of the school is completely founded upon our ability to do exactly what you're describing. Um, mm. And I, 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 there's a balance and, I, and we're learning to strike it, I think better each day as a staff and a team and a board, frankly, and a community, which is um, to create the conditions in an, uh, in an environment that is really uplifting, um, supportive, safe. Uh, I believe in, in my heart and I hear this from, from our families and our parents, particularly that that their kids feel safe with us, mm-hmm. and I I mean that emotionally as much as I mean physically. Yeah. Um, so there's there's the part of wanting to create a, 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 a haven, if you will, but at the same time, I, I talk to the staff about this as well. We have to name it. We have to name the the reality in which we reside, because to not do so 
I think would it, it would imply that we're trying to isolate ourselves from the existence. And I don't think that would be helpful for the, the question that you're raising, which yeah. is how do we support the kids in their experience, right? And so yeah. we're looking at different ways to do that. I, I, I want to talk about trauma for a brief moment. Um, yeah, the, just so we repeat this, like uh, the internet was so bad because uh, we do experience that from time to time. And I, I, I am no expert in this and I don't have any insider information, but there's general understanding that there's jamming can happen. And, and if we find that when the internet is rough, we tend to get sirens not long after that. So if there's a correlation, yeah. possibly, but yeah. yeah, the internet was terrible that night, but um, I'm glad we can pick this back up. I really appreciate it. Um, and I should the, say you're in Washington now, isn't that right? You're I, in Washington. I, yeah, I am. I'm at the NIES conference in Washington, DC, and it's been fantastic being here since yesterday. Um, I miss Keith. <laughs> I miss the team very much. Um, it's hard right. not to be there at the same time. Um, because uh, you want to be there to, to be part of the solution, but 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 being here and and sh sharing the story, talking to people, people have been phenomenal. Uh, so interested and passionate about the school and and what we're doing there, and and people are very interested, which is always uh, an, an inspiring thing for me personally. But yes, yeah. I'm in DC at the moment. Um, yeah, this my background is in is primarily either in trauma uh, and best practices in that in that area or uh, special need or learning differences. Those are the two areas yeah. that I'm passionate about. But trauma in this environment or any environment, I would include the school that I, I was at before in Guatemala, it can impact kids in very different ways. And part of, of the role I feel like I have, I, I want to bring to the table is supporting the staff and building their capacity. Um, as trauma-informed specialists themselves. And what does that mean? Um, it means being able to uh, have a patient assessment uh, model for dealing with students because stress, anxiety, PTSD-related um, uh, just behaviors in general, they are so different in so many different ways. Uh, it, can, it can manifest as latent aggression. It can manifest as jumpiness. Uh, kids can be triggered more easily. Um, and it can also result in, in silence and kind of almost a robotic kind of withdrawal. Um, and and uh, the teachers that we have are phenomenal um, in the sense that they've come to, to Kiev well positioned uh, to be realistic about what they are facing there in terms of the students. But they also <clears throat> need to be reminded that if they're seeing stuff in the classroom that seems out of sorts, um, it's not that we explain everything we see in the class or in the school oh that's anxiety or but we have mm -hmm. to have it in our tool we have to have it in our toolkit we have to um as as part of the, the holistic whole student you know understanding um mm -hmm. and the other part of you know trauma-informed practices is self-care and this is a big one um with our staff because secondary mm -hmm. stress is a thing uh the longer yeah. you work in those environments um, yeah so we work on those two things mainly so you talked about, you know, physically and emotionally. So you have a shelter, haven't you? And yeah, occasionally you have to you have to really run to the shelter, isn't that right? Yeah, we, we have a five minute goal uh, to get the yeah. entire school into the shelter. Uh, the reason five minutes, because that's the fastest something can yeah. reach Kiev um, after we receive an alert. That would be a hypersonic missile. And so our target and goal was to um, just train the school, train the faculty, train the students to get to the shelters within that five minute window. And I'm really, really proud to say that we invariably are successful in that. And um, the, the thing about the shelters, but even before I arrived, uh, it was so important uh, to pick up the work for the previous leadership team of looking at the shelters as learning spaces, safe, yeah. safety comes first, of course, but mm -hmm. there, there's so many important reasons for doing that. And I, I want to say I wish you could visit, but I mean, maybe one day you will and you can see mm -hmm. these, but they um, they are set up like classes. The teachers know to continue the work um, that they were doing in the class. That is important academically because there's so many uh, deleterious consequences of having learning disrupted with these air alerts. Uh, yeah. The more we're never going to optimize in the shelter and, and, and equate everything we can do in our, our regular classrooms. But I feel really strongly that anything we can do to ameliorate th those negative consequences of constant disruption of classroom is number yeah. one. 
But two, I believe, and I, and I think it's been borne out by experience, it's got a psychological benefit as well. There, if, we're, if the learning continues in the shelter, it's making a statement to the students, right, that there's continuity. Um, and I think it helps them, back to your earlier question, of the students and how they respond um, to all of this. Each student is their own, their, their own human being, their own experience, their own response. Um, and I, we just have to keep that in mind as well as we go to the shelter. Uh, we have a psychologist on, on standby in the shelter. We have mm -hmm. um, a student support coordinator. Uh, our whole school principal and myself are, are very, very strongly embedded in the experience down in the shelter, you know, just being present, moving through the classrooms, uh, keeping uh, levity in, in place where possible. Uh, it really makes a big difference with the kids. Uh, the, the the challenge we're facing now, though, Paul, is that we, the, the, the strikes are, or at least the air alerts are every day now. Um, it wasn't like that a couple months ago. And you add that to the weather and all the things I mentioned before, um, just keeping an eye on just the, the, the general welfare of the students and just the mood. Um, mm -hmm. And those of us who, like yourself, that work with students for a living, you, you get kind of that, that, that sixth sense about of course. Your, your students. <laughs> so we, we use that and, and we, we, we've got the support mechanisms in place. We've got the policies that work, um, you know, just how we, we inform the parents that were in the shelter. And, and just as a last little bit here, I, I'm very proud of our shelter. It's a safe space. I love our building. It's got good bones. Um, I think, you know, again, relatively speaking, uh, all things considered, it's, it's one of the safer spaces to be in that part of the city, which is it, it's great comfort when we're down there. Yeah, a big comfort and, and vital. And, you know, I'm, I'm really getting a very strong sense of how against all odds, you have a really titanic struggle, but you're succeeding in this titanic struggle to make things as normal or as usual as possible for, for yeah. students and staff. And I think that's that's got to be very, very important. It is. You nailed it. You nailed it. Exactly. And um, I like it, that you talked about. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Trey, I'm talking over you. No, please. Go ahead. But I like that you talked about, uh, you know, the levity. And I think, you know, maintaining that perspective, you know, is, is, is very important as well. But Trey, I hear another tactic in the shelter is you play the guitar. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not a guitarist. I am a, I'm a percussionist by trade. <laughs> but, I was, but the thing about it, I have a very high tolerance level for embarrassment between us as friends. So you know that for future reference. Uh, and I brought, I, I noodle around with a guitar, like like some chords and stuff. So I brought it down and, and the last, uh, I think the couple weeks ago I brought it down and we were, we were playing and had a couple of students playing as well. Oh, Very good. <laughs> that's Very hilarious good. that you know that. <laughs> well, you got, a high you got level. Me. A high tolerance for embarrassment is a very good quality in a teacher. It's it's essential, isn't it? <laughs> very much so. I was also listening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, so listening. You know, when you're talking about, you know, you, you, you're five minutes to, to five minutes to the shelter. My mental picture. I don't know if you've seen this film. My mental picture is kindergarten cop. You know Arnold Schwarzenegger, and you know when they do the timing, and he gets all the wee kindergartners out, and they're all marching. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Trey, in my mind now, in my mind's eye, you are Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> well, without the muscles, I can assure you, um, that's hilarious. I hadn't thought about that movie in forever. Yeah, there's a. We've got the shelter is, is is split off into different sections, and like our secondary school is in one part, and we have our you know EC and, and our first grade and, and second grade in another section as well. And ah, that's that's another part. Like a lot lot more work to do on this front, but my gosh, I want to get some more toys in there, more color. Um, we've got good mm. mats and, and stuff for the kids because uh, we have to convert these spaces because when we're not under air alert, we're using parts of our, our basement area, you know, which is we're so fortunate mm -hmm. to have. Uh, so those spaces have to get converted from, you know, a changing room, for instance, over into uh, a space for first graders, for example. And so we've got everything kind of ready to go. And, and the teachers are amazing. Just absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. Coming down and getting the mats down, keeping the kids calm. You know, we've installed a, a projector in uh, the kindergarten area. Um, so we're constantly improving those spaces. 
Um, we yeah. uh, we've been we've actually improved the the ventilation system in our secondary area. Um, we've got some monitors down there for CO2 and humidity and that sort of thing, just to do whatever we can. Um, it, strangely enough, I'm, I'm sure this won't shock you, but if, if we can increase the comfort in the area, that also has a, a, a nice psychosocial uh, benefit. Because if Absolutely. people are, un if they're uncomfortable, then, you know, it can add uh, to their sense of distress. So I think, Trey, you mentioned a, a very interesting term the last day. Um, doing a lot of soul searching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's interesting. It's also a reflective space down there. Um, mm. And I and I think the type of teachers we have, which both returning and new teachers together, they bring they bring this just comprehensive sense of calmness, empathy. Mm. This, and this is how they teach. This is what we model, obviously, in our school, um, mm -hmm. and it's so important to us. Well, the teachers employ that, and by building this culture of discussion and sharing, um, I, I find that more times than not, some of the best discussions I can have with students will happen in the shelter because, you know, if, if for instance, the teacher is given some independent work, I, I, I can come over and sit with a couple of students while, you know, self-guided learning. I actually was sitting, this was right before I left, I'm, I'm sitting with our TOK teacher, Theory of Knowledge, uh, a, a, a amazing, amazing teacher, Joseph Zero. Um, he, he's sitting there and he, <laughs> for me, it's like manna from heaven. Like it's, it's basically philosophy combined with history, combined with how thoughts are formed and communications. It's, it's just this broad like survey uh, endeavor to kind of get kids up to speed on the, on the history of thought. Um, can't get, can't get better than that, right? So we're, I'm sitting there, and this is just an example. Um, there was this tenth grader, two tenth graders were sitting next to me, and we just embarked on this conversation about Hobbes versus Locke, and what's the point of government? How does society structure? And I sat there, and we were when the then the next thing you know, the the air alert was over. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so, and, and that's the kind of thing you're you're obviously the teachers are looking for in the environment that they're creating. Um, I'm very proud, Absolutely. very proud of the school for that. Um, and and I, this goes without saying, like before we opened the school and returned, you never really know how it's going to go down, right? You yeah. never know until you get the doors open and you start facing, you know, the reality of it all. What kind of beauty is inherent? as well right um in the students and the community you're building and i want to be clear this is this is teachers it's parents it's students and it's board members i, I yeah. it's my seventh school and i'm it's one of the most amazing boards i've ever worked with um mm -hmm. they many of them all all of them actually were so dedicated to making this happen um and they're invested at a level so it's a it's a full spectrum community approach to community and what we're trying to do and it helps that we're all in it together what mm -hmm. personal qualities are mm -hmm. you seeing in your teachers your board your governors and and maybe especially what personal qualities are you seeing in your in your students yeah yeah well let's always start with the students um the one of the things that, that our greatest asset in my opinion is that every student 280 is in that school because they really want to be there. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just, you talk to them and it's indelibly linked to everything I feel when students are hanging out in the hallway or they're in a classroom. It's just, it underlies it all. Um, and because they want to be there, they all have a personal commitment to, to being, I think, being the best they can be in that environment because they feel fortunate. And I guess that's what I really want to say. I, I, I think mm -hmm. our students, they, they are, <laughs> They have the requisite experience so far in this conflict that they they know how fortunate we are to have that that space, and so they are doing their part, um, and the the learning that's occurring that's that is student driven, student centered. Um, they they're doing their part, so I, I just put it there, and I and I, I think it's it's just a testament to them as 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 young learners. Um, the yeah. teachers, I, I the two things about them as a group, there's three things. I'll start with the fact that they care about each other. And yeah. they, they take care of each other and they're honest mm -hmm. with each other. Um, the community that we've built of educators is, is, is something to behold. 
um, that they they understand what is at stake too uh, in terms of the humanity of all this and and I think it's the profile or the disposition the type of uh, teachers who would want to come work in that environment they're bringing something um, with mm. them right um, as a group uh, they're adaptable that's the second piece they're very adaptable um, they mm. they really can move um, with the contingencies that are inherent um, and if we had another couple hours we could go through that because it is it's it's every day uh, we have to we have to adapt to changing circumstances that we might not understand but we have a nice foundation that's the third part that I want to say the school and this precedes my rival uh, it, the titans of this, of this school's history have spent years building a culture at PSI of belonging um, yeah. I, I'm sure you've had this experience, but you don't have to name any of these schools that you and I may have been at, but sometimes foundational language tends to get framed, put on a wall and gather dust. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it doesn't really have a living quality to it, but PSI in its DNA has a significant and authentic commitment to belonging. Um, our motto is a place where we belong and we, we use this language daily. Um, and I think the teachers, my, and I would say myself and the leadership that are new to the school this year, we came for lots of reasons, obviously, but one of them is, is knowing, um, that it's real, this idea of being in a place where you belong and, and uh, differences valued, uh, diversity is, is, is seen as a, as an asset to be nurtured, um, and celebrated. Um, and so the teachers are adaptive. They get the mission. They understand why we're there. There's a certainty of purpose. Thank and, yeah. and thank you for indulging me on this because I, I, I'm getting older. <laughs> like I'm almost sixty, <laughs> and so I feel like, you know, how many more schools will I get to work at? And you learn by this point, and I'm, I'm you're a young buck, so I don't know how, if you would agree with me on this. But I feel like when you know you found something. You value it more the older that you get or the longer you've been in this career because you've had the experience where it was the opposite in terms of maybe the school and, and how it was constructed in terms of the people in the community. So um, the teachers know that. They, they can count on it. And, and mm. I, with all the areas of improvement that I personally need to, to work on and, and as both a human being and a leader, the teachers, I, I feel this in my heart. They know they're seen, they know they're cared for. And, and again, we're all rowing in the same direction. And, and I'd like to think, I'd like to think that that inspires them too. Yeah, I think they must be very inspired, um, Trey, and you're very modest in what you say <laughs> and very self-deprecating because you don't work in a school for long before you realize very quickly that everything that you've just described there emanates and radiates from the leader and if the leader isn't kind of modeling that in the very fiber of his being walking the corridors as you say going down into the shelter and talking to you know some guy about politics playing the guitar not being afraid to to be yourself if that's not happening what you describe in terms of ethos, atmosphere, climate, that gets wrecked very quickly. Oh, so, so precious. Oh, so yeah. precious and, and delicate, yeah. right? Uh, um, precious and delicate is absolutely right, Trey, yeah. And I mean, it happens here day in, day out in, in the tens of thousands of schools, you know, that, that we all know, but you're doing it under uh, the usual pressures with then the added pressures of Ukraine being under terror and war and all credit to you for uh, making oh. it as normal as, as can be. Yeah. I, I'm very humbled by what, by what you're saying. Yeah. And I, um, you know, to sit here and have this wonderful conversation with you is a gift to me because you, we started our, our time today by talking about pulling out of the day-to-day -day, uh, tangible concrete experience and being able to have some reflective time and yeah. um i think I, I should share with you like just this conversation alone and, and others like it there's such a boon to me and i'm I, I feel like again humbled by all of it and to go back and be able to see kind of where i fit 
in the world at large. It's like, it's the greatest dream we would ever have, right? Not just as educators, but just as people to feel right where you are, to feel like you're in the yeah. correct place, doing the right thing at the right time. And, um, and feeling effective when you can about, about all of it. It's, um, yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? It's, it, it got, you got me thinking now. That that's very powerful Trey. And I wonder, does that transmit to your pupils, you know, feeling effective, having an impact and your impact is, is obviously felt very quickly. Sometimes uh, it's, it's right there in front of you. And you know, that kind of purpose and meaning that whole spiritual side of things, how tangible is that in the corridors and in, 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 yeah, yeah, we have a, we have the reality that some days, of you know, a, a student here, a group of students there have a, they have a conflict or an argument or this is a school so obviously um it, it these are human beings and and they're mm -hmm. working themselves out and they're young people i mean particularly in our middle school and into our high school um i i, I want to say this is kind of a, a an anecdote i mentioned earlier that one of the things you might see uh it, with anxiety and trauma is a, a heightened sense of of a lack of of, of disempowerment mm -hmm. um and that can really lead to some other behaviors like more aggressive you know action vis-a-vis uh, -vis toward each other we don't have a general problem with fights i i i've been in environments that were with at-risk students and in marginalized communities and that sort of thing where kind of that sort of thing is is, is more common um i'm not yeah. we're not seeing that in our school not that it has yeah. we haven't had a moment here and there where people have kind of crossed the line to school however mm. there's a even in younger kids, there's a gentility when the moment comes to process, okay, the learning moment. And mm. the I know schools are different on this front, but the positive discipline piece in that environment has been, and I've always been an advocate of that, um, of positive discipline. And that, you know, it, every single moment is a learning moment. And the mm -hmm. systems that are in place to to show kids, you know, what's expected of them and to establish, you know, systems of accountability and mutual reliance and mutual respect, all those things that good schools try to do, it's all the more important now, right? Because if kids are come in and they've had they, they were up all night. They've been up all night and they're tired and they're coming into the school and, and now they're expected to buckle down and get into a class and and push themselves as learners and you know you we have a heightened sense of understanding of that can also lead to distress and 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 nerves and, and these things but I, I say this because the times i've seen even like a seventh grader talking to another seventh grader in front of a teacher or or i've heard about these conversations from our whole school principal or a teacher just the the level of, of awareness after the fact that they're growing they're growing in their uh, their no, their knowledge of self, and that mm -hmm. is the biggest thing they can get right. Um, because we can't predict what the war is going to do, and we can't predict when the sirens are going to go off. And I I say this weekly, either whether it's staff or students. Um, there's so much we cannot control. There's mm -hmm. so much we cannot control in that environment. Therefore, I feel very strongly that we have to emphasize and really focus on the things we can control. Mm -hmm. And those things include the type of people that we that gather together in the community. We can control the, the morals and uh, the moral structure and, and the, the culture and the norms, the values mm -hmm. that, that we embrace and model those. See, I, I mean, I could continue, but these are the things that we do have control over. Mm -hmm. And if we can do that, I think we've gone a, a couple steps further down the road of garnering the tools, both as teachers and students, that, that we can face some of the things that we can't control. Gosh, that's very, very powerful. Uh, yeah, for me, every day, um, every day, yeah. every single day. Um, I, uh, I got to tell you, this, uh, I feel selfish a bit in the fact that I, uh, I feel uplifted to the point where I've lost probably the nomenclature to really explain the feeling right now of, of what I see in the students, how beautiful they are and the, and the teachers. And, and there are some hard days. There's some hard times. I mean, like I said, they're up all night or, you know, it's, it's, it's life too. And, um, and the way they come in and they, they, they get it together and they, they lean on each other. Um, I will never forget uh, many things that will all, that will be with me till, uh, the rest of my life actually. Um, 
under these circumstances, under this duress, the quality of these people and the community, uh, it, it's inspiring, of course, but it's, but it's tangible. It is proof. It's absolute proof to me what is possible mm-hmm. um, if you have those other things that we talked about and if we, mm-hmm. we commit to having them. I'm kind of left with a sense that everybody in your school feels seen, feels known, that the quality of of being seen and being known allows them to be very frank, very open and and very honest. Is that a fair assessment? Right. It's a constant process um, to do that with the teachers. um, Again, if, if you put two teachers in a room, you've got two different stories, right? Um, Like I've got in this community, I I say this to families a good bit too. You've got one end of the spectrum where where the siren goes off and someone's like, man, no big deal. And take it Mm -hmm. all the way to the other end of the gamut. And I mean, you've seen someone's breathing changes um, Mm there. Their their Mm -hmm. sense of security is is now in question in their mind and all of the reactions in between, right? Mm And, and knowing that all of those are valid, all mm-hmm. of those are valid reactions. Um, talk about personalization in real time, right? Um, mm-hmm. Being able to take that reality of all these different ways of dealing with the environment we're in and going back to the teachers, um, you said that they feel seen. I want, I want to believe that they do. And I, I want to continue with our leadership and with them, with the teachers holding each other accountable to doing everything possible to take care of each other in that particular respect, mm-hmm. um, being authentic, uh, being real, um, looking at each other and, and, and respecting one another in that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I, this is going to sound grandiose, please. <laughs> the first week of school, I told the students and the teachers, I said, take this moment and just really take it in, right? The doors are just mm-hmm. open. The kids were in the school. I said, you'll be telling your grandchildren about that. I know it sounds like a cliche. I said, but you will be telling your grandchildren about this, that the school opened and you were part of it. And, yeah. and it's, it's not rhetoric. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so that, that's a big deal. Um, I think we, we live with that, that every day. And I think there's a responsibility that comes um, as to why we're even there. Do you have a sense that you're not only living through history, but you are kind of being part of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. history? Yeah. Yes. Yes. That is that gives me chills a little bit that you said it just like that. Um, you you read my mind because it, the board gets it, the families get yeah. it, the students. I I feel even even though they're they're emerging as, as as broader, more holistic thinkers get it, and this is where I think we're located in the in the shall I say the value we bring uh, to this endeavor and the value we bring to this moment in history. And it is this. Um, I know in my heart that peace is going to come. It will Mm -hmm. come. And when it comes, these students are going to grow into the next generation of leaders, many of them Ukrainian. And here's, here's where the rubber, you know, proverbially hits the road, right? Will this generation of leaders, will they predicate their action on hatred, anger, vengeance uh mm-hmm. or will it be on love empathy global mindset um mm-hmm. and, and and comedy um and forgiveness that that's really where we sit on the nexus of impact um mm-hmm. and i i remind myself that if we have a good day if we've made it we've made it some progress in a particular area of the school or with a particular student we're doing that mm-hmm. job we're doing that that work because um, the work is not for today. And this is to kind of get back to your, your point. Um, there is a true, I, I, I know for a fact, teachers, they have a real solemn understanding that the work is not of today alone, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we all agree, I think, that Ukraine is at this moment, a, a tipping point in history, right? Um, the aggressors in this conflict are, appear to be attempting to rewrite the world order and return us to something akin to pre-World War II, where yeah. might makes right, um, or will we be able to salvage and save what was hard won in World War II, mm-hmm. which is a world order based on norms and, and, and international values. Um, and mm-hmm. the school in Ukraine particularly is at the forefront of that battle. And um, humbly, I say that we're, we're here as, as 
kind of a, a locus point of the values. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. we can create that next generation of leaders like that, I, I will be a very, very satisfied and happy person in my elder years. <laughs> but Trey, then it makes me wonder, and as you know, I, I'm here in Northern Ireland. You know, we've our own history yes. of violence and sectarian violence. I'm just wondering then, among your students, have any of them been directly affected? Have they had family who've been put out of their homes, injured, killed? If that's the case, how do you, first of all, prevent them from being resentful and maybe taking sides? And how do you try to instill some of that neutrality and that love and that bigger picture in them? Can I... Can I take license and kind of flip it back toward you for a moment? I, I really, mm-hmm. really want to hear for a moment your take on the reconciliation ideal of a mm-hmm. conflict as horrific as the troubles were. And mm-hmm. and it not as if it's all history <laughs> does not disappear. Uh, it's just how it evolves later. What do you think were some of the keys where it's been successful uh, for your country? How how does a society in your mind, because you're an educator and I would love to hear your point of view on that, how does it move mm. toward that? Well, I think we do our best in classrooms. You know, we, we, we model neutrality. We're careful how we teach things like history. We're very careful with how children behave. We're very quick to um, be on children if they are sectarian, if there are any comments. Mm-hmm. We have an issue here with emblems and flags and clothing, and we're, we're very on to that. Certain areas can be really a tinderbox. We also, I suppose, is a bigger picture. Um, we have integrated schooling in Northern Ireland now, and we also have shared education where different sectors will come together in the hope that there's empathy, there's understanding, and that there's tolerance and acceptance of each other. And I think since the Good Friday Agreement, which really began kind of this new era, if you like, in Northern Ireland, you know, we have been largely successful. There are little pockets of issues from time to time, but they're nowhere near as bad as they were pre-98. So I think in principle, that's, that's what we do. And that's how we manage that kind of neutrality and acceptance and tolerance in education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. There's a part of me that feels like, um, and again, this might be forward of me, but what you just described, there's so much to take away from just that that short litany that you shared um, mm. that I think are applicable in the future moving forward in Ukraine. Um, mm. there, there's no perfect analogy, obviously. We, you know, the this country, Ukraine. I mean, I, it's funny enough. I used to teach Ukrainian history in my career as far as my European teaching yeah. uh, history teaching and just ironically i was always drawn toward ukraine um like many nations that are, have such amazing histories and fascinating and complicated um ukraine as an ideal has gone through this evolution and language was such an important mm-hmm. part of it and the the, Gosh, the language late, is very important here exactly language is exactly. oh my goodness <laughs> oh man you're not yeah. kidding that's oh if i could oh to talk about what language means in our school. It's a big challenge. It's a huge challenge. Yeah. Russian yeah. was spoken uh, just 30 years ago. I mean, just think yeah. about it. In Ukraine, if you wanted to get a good job or uh, if you were considered part of, please forgive me, but the elite, right? Russian was, you, you had to have it. And in short order, since the beginning, it's starting in 2014 with the first invasion, but the full invasion here, it's exacerbated this issue of just the, the, the speaking of Russian itself has transmogrified you know, from a, a a cultural aspect of Ukraine and its society and its history into a flashpoint, mm-hmm. a flashpoint among certain, as you said, pockets, certain aspects of the society. It's become an arguing, um, uh, found, it's become a foundation for a, a greater argument that's being had about what does it mean to be Ukrainian. And I say all this humbly as a newcomer to the country. I really do. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a very humble student of, of, of the history of the country. I'm learning things every day and I listen as much as I can uh, to learn. Um, but I just feel strongly that back to this idea of peace, this idea of future, you know, the, uh, the, the language Russian right now, not just in our school, but in schools in Ukraine itself, 
is a it's an arguing point because it for some it's the language of the aggressor for others mm-hmm. i you know, one might be a proud ukrainian and they're they, they their family's from ukraine but they speak mostly russian in the house what happens now overnight what happens overnight with that situation and all of this as human beings and ukrainians in particular are struggling how best to face this uh, this this problem um when you have a war that is genocidal in nature, where one country is trying to literally wipe out the culture of another, these things like language, they 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 rise to a different level and they start to mm. personify things for people that going back to our classroom. And I really took note of how you were talking about modeling and how mm. one keeps an eye on this this the indications of of, of sectarianism. Our situation right now, since the war continues, I like to think uh, years from now, as as perspective starts to come back into play, and when peace comes, there'll be space. There'll be space, again, for a more, uh, I guess, reasonable discussion about language and, and, and uh, heritage and all the different things that makes a country, you know, really special. Um, mm-hmm. And But it's, it's a challenge. I'm not going to lie to you. It, it is something that I don't have. The answers for every day i actually go into that building and wonder how do we address this issue of language particularly in our classrooms um mm-hmm. and in, in the hallways when it's spoken but, um mm-hmm. maybe for another show if i, I can get your advice on it <laughs> yeah well it'll not be my advice yeah but interesting uh, well um i should say two good friends of the show alistair hamill who's been on the show himself and professor tony gallagher who's just retired from queen's university they, they both, I think, have traveled to different parts of the world and brought the model of how Northern Ireland is managing its troubles. Could I humbly ask you to share some of that with me when we're offline? Some of that work? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yes, definitely will. Yes, definitely will, Trey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Bet UK is empowering the everyday wins. Cheeky grins, <laughs> big conversations, budding aspirations. Our goal? To make EdTech accessible and teaching exceptional. Join the global education community on the 24th to the 26th of January 2024 as we make education better together. Ticket off your Christmas list today. Get your free ticket before the 13th of December deadline. Visit www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The Guardian features comment on a parliamentary report which is calling for an overhaul of secondary education in England. The House of Lords report says the education system for 11 to 16 year olds is too focused on academic learning and written exams. The report also calls for the English Baccalaureate or EBAC introduced by Michael Gove during his tenure as Education Secretary to be scrapped as a school performance measure. The government ambition for 90% of Year 10 pupils to be entered for EBAC subjects by 2025 is criticised for being too limiting and not allowing pupils to study a range of subjects. Criticism is also levelled at the overburdened curriculum as a result of content and the 25 to 30 hours of examinations at the end of Year 11. The report echoes some concerns expressed by some teachers and school leaders. Recommendations include allowing schools to offer a more varied range of learning experiences, more opportunities to study creative, vocational and technical subjects, 
and that pupils should have the option to take functional literacy and numeracy qualifications that are equal in value to GCSEs in English and Maths. Former Education Minister under the Conservatives, Joe Johnson, says the evidence received was compelling and that change was urgently needed. Former Education Secretary Kenneth Baker said dropping the EBAC would give schools greater freedom. Unions welcomed the calls but said school funding, recruitment and retention and cutting workload were essential to making any changes a possibility. A Department for Education spokesperson said, We are constantly seeing the success of our reforms, citing recently released PISA rankings and being named best in the West for primary reading out of a comparable 43 countries. The Observer focuses on Scottish schools dropping the PISA ratings and featured an opinion piece by Sonia Soda. The piece lays blame squarely on the curriculum reform which began under the SNP in 2010. It changed the focus from knowledge emphasising the development of transferable skills. The approach is linked to the idea of preparing children with skills they need for jobs that don't exist yet. But the article says this is a theory based on zero evidence. The article goes on to make links to other countries which made similar changes and saw similar declines, including Sweden and France. It also focuses on the impact such a curriculum has on disadvantaged pupils, increasing, it says, the gap between the non-disadvantaged peers. As the House of Lords report levels criticism at a so-called traditional system in England, it seems that Scotland's more progressive approach is being seen in a similarly negative light. The BBC World Service features a piece on universities in Hong Kong. Once attracting talent from around the world, now academics via Beijing is restricting academic freedom. In 2021-22, to 22, more than 360 scholars left eight public universities. The turnover rate, 7.4%, is at its highest since 1997, when Hong Kong returned to Chinese rule. Foreign student enrolments have dropped by 13% since 2019. Security guards are now a common sight in universities, ensuring that students and visitors must identify themselves. At the Chinese University of Hong Kong, the democracy wall has been stripped bare and a statue of the goddess of democracy is gone. The 2020 national security law targets subversive behaviour and has seen libraries emptied of books of bad ideologies and a ban on protests. Job applications for professors have dried up and fewer students are enrolling for PhDs in humanities and social sciences. Some academics say that even being an expert on China is a risk these days. Further details on this story can be found on the BBC News website. Pupils in Liverpool got a Shakespeare masterclass from Rafe Fiennes, which they described as weird but outstanding. The Harry Potter actor is starring in Macbeth at Liverpool's The Depot, but was supporting the Friends with Shakespeare event in a local school. The workshop included warm-up games, group work and language analysis. The star also focused on the theme of ambition in Macbeth and linked it to future plans and careers for students. Finally, GCHQ has released its annual brain teaser for UK school children. Its code-breaking challenge is aimed at 11 to 18-year-olds. More than 1,000 secondary schools signed up for this year's event, according to the BBC Breakfast programme. It is the third edition of the challenge, and it is designed to test code-breaking, maths and analysis skills, with each test designed to be harder than the last. There are seven tasks in total and children are encouraged to tackle them in teams as solving puzzles needs a mix of minds. The full challenge can be found on the GCHQ website just in case you want to test your own skills. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. 
Bet UK is empowering the everyday wins. Cheeky grins. <laughs> big conversations. Budding aspirations. Our goal? To make EdTech accessible and teaching exceptional. Join the global education community on the 24th to the 26th of January 2024 as we make education better together. Ticket off your Christmas list today. Get your free ticket before the 13th of December deadline. Visit www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. I think we're probably coming. I, I, I might have a couple more minutes with you before I have to jump off. But um, is there is there anything else to, that we haven't touched on that that you're passionate about? Trey, it's so absorbing, and I too could go on and on and on. Oh, before I ask you a last question, I just want listeners to note. So, Trey, I think did you say you were coming up on six day? <laughs> I'm gonna be. I, I probably should retract that. I'm gonna be fifty seven. So. Okay, well, the important part of what you said was that I'm much younger than you. That's the important point that listeners, and on the radio, listeners should know that on the radio, I am 27. Hey, hey, I I, I, I love it. A strange (laughs) thing happens. It's just a strange thing happens when they see me in real life. I kind of tend to look a little bit older, but... uh... (laughs) You You sound just ebullient with youthful zest and energy my friend you got it what's your secret some chance chance. yeah i think what is i think i've got what is it for got four or five years on you on 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 the wrong side (laughs) oh my gosh oh dear 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 Trey, coming towards the end of the show, we always ask uh, a kind of a a question that's traditional. So look, if you had a magic wand and you had only one spell to cast, what change would you make to education that would significantly improve the lot of teachers? Good one. I got to tell you, for me, the good news is it doesn't, I don't think it requires a magic wand. (laughs) <laughs> That's the good news. Good answer. I think, I think I think it just what I'm about to share. I think it just requires courage and commitment and 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 just like solidity and purpose to to make it happen. But if I could do something for for schools, it would make space for teachers to authentically know their kids. Because mm-hmm. if they know their students, if they know their kids as human beings. Uh, it, it's it, it's got a moral imperative there, but I, I really want to keep it in the practical realm of what our goals are, right? Like if learning is at its most effective when kids feel safe and if they feel safe, they can take risks. And if they can take risks, then we know where that goes. Uh, and by risks, I mean healthy risks. Um, and uh, teachers become much more effective in personalization, all those things. But those genuine relationships, we talk about them as if they just kind of happen. But I find in some schools, and in some parts of the world where I've been, that, that's just not a priority. It's almost like if a teacher is, is focused on 10 other things, which are also important, don't get me wrong, um, whether it's standardized testing uh, or it's, whether it's reports and all these things, which again, are important. How, how do we keep track of our students' performance and their needs? But man, just time, just time to grab a guitar and play with mm-hmm. a kid, you know? Um, find out who they are as human beings. So that would, that would be my magic wand moment, my friend. That's absolutely fascinating. That's a show, if not two or three shows in itself, Trey. Totally, um, totally. So, Trey, I have to ask you, you're also a drummer. I heard that on the grapevine too. Where are you so, getting all of this? Doc, I, doc, contacts, contacts. You know how it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, um, I, I love to drum. I do, I do that, yes. Better than guitar. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. okay <laughs> more, ex- yeah, more experience, yeah. but drumming is—it's um, kind of a yoga combined with like meditation. Yes. Um, yes. And it's exercise. I tend to play in rock bands, so I—it's where I tend to perspire most and get the bad stuff out. But yeah, I love to drum. It's, okay. It's kind of one of the well, constant it, things you, for me. Yeah, you're gonna know these four or five guys. I'm gonna give you right. Give me your one, two, three. Okay. So, 
in, in no order, Cozy Powell, Chester mm -hmm. Baker, Keith mm -hmm. Moon, Neil Pert, Phil Collins, or you could name anybody else. Uh, uh, stop there. Okay. Keith Moon, Neil, Neil Pert uh, was my hero. But, mm. oh, my first streaming hero was John Bonham from Ed Zeppelin. Ah, now I forgot to put him in the list, yeah. Yep, and then then I put Neil Peart and Keith Moon. Those are actually my three, notwithstanding some other drum, drummers over the years that I've fallen in love with, like Matt Cameron from Soundgarden. But I will. these are guys that I steal, steal ideas from, <laughs> which is the highest, oh. form, the highest form of flattery, you know. But those yeah, are- Yeah, that you learn from. <laughs> I learn from those guys. Those are my faves, for sure. Thank you so much for your time your energy and your charisma and your commitment. In fact, nowadays we learned this week, we don't call it charisma, we call it riz. I think that was the word of the year. I saw that day. word. Did I, you see I, that? I, yeah, I did. And I'm so not like plugged in. I'm sitting outside riz. Like, is that kind <laughs> of, is that kind of a, a word for an insult? Like, hey, stop rizzing me or something. And, and, <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know, but yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. you, sir, you have bountiful amounts of riz yourself. So that's, oh, you I got don't know about that. <laughs> cornering, cornering the market there. But you know, <laughs> thank you so much, my friend. I, I hope, I hope we get to do this again sometime and maybe, maybe a year from now we can, we can catch back up and I can give you an update on what's happening and you can tell me how you're doing. Thank you very much. Stay safe. Give our best to everybody back in Ukraine. You know, it means a lot to have been with you. Thank you for everything. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.